Hi guys, Sam here, host of the AEW Match Guide podcast. Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to quickly let you all know that after Double or Nothing 2022, the creation of the second edition of the definitive AEW Match Guide will begin. The first edition sought votes from a diverse group of AEW commentators around the internet wrestling community to collectively rank the greatest matches from the first two years of the promotion's history, and that list is what the matches this podcast reviews is based on. For the second edition of the list that will look at matches between Double or Nothing 2021 and 2022, I'm hoping to cast that net even wider, so I'm hoping to get your support. If you're interested in submitting your votes and weren't involved last year, then please reach out to me on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel or via email sambrownmedia at gmail.com. And when the time comes, I'll send you out a ballot to get your vote. To celebrate this, for the month of May, we'll be looking at three different matches from previous Double or Nothings, and then in the week before Double or Nothing 2022, I'll be hosting a YouTube live stream previewing the pay-per-view. Looking forward to see you all there. That's it for now though, so let's hit the music and get this show on the road. Welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history taken from the definitive AEW Match Guide as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice. And make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network that cover all aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest today is a podcaster and freelance writer, Bevan Morgan. And we're looking at Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy, the three-way AEW World Championship match from Double or Nothing 2021. How are you going today, Bevan? Very well, my friend. How about yourself? I'm very well. I'm very interested to talk about this match. It's a unique match type that AEW we haven't talked about before on the podcast and AEW hasn't done a lot of. uh, And it's a a really interesting moment in both the career of Kenny Omega and I think also for the two people who are in the match as well, Pac and Orange Cassidy. So I'm excited to get going. I'm really glad you picked this match. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. I I think we're going to have some pretty interesting chat given what you sort of teased before the show, before the show started. Excellent. Uh, Just before we get into the actual match itself, Bevan, uh, as I ask all of my guests here on the podcast, uh, how did you get into AEW? (laughs) Yeah, I've heard your other guests do this because I I feel like I could talk on this for about um, two and a half hours. So I'll try and keep it very brief since I've heard that's what everyone else does. I basically got into wrestling um, in the late 90s, as a lot of other people did. And I was always a real big WCW guy. Um, I, I didn't really like the WWF very much. I mean, I liked Austin because, you know, how could you not? But what, what was kind of interesting is I still watched both. You know, it's not quite as, it wasn't quite as fiercely tribal as it is now. Um, but basically when WCW sort of turned to crap, I, I kind of lost interest for a few years. And I basically just, because I was never really a big WWE guy and that's all we really got in New Zealand. It was kind of like I would dip in and out and dip in and out and dip in and out. And then I sort of really tried to sort of get back into it around 2014. And that's when I was doing some writing for like what culture and um, a couple other 
websites, I think. But I was just like writing stuff that I hated because it was like, I was just like almost hate watching because I just really didn't enjoy it. It just wasn't for me. That's not a slight against anyone that likes WWE. I just wasn't enjoying it. And so I was desperately kind of just following yeah, I didn't know much about the indies, but I was just following bits and pieces and then, you know, got into New Japan a little bit just from, you know, all the hype and that you're starting to hear and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and then I think similar to what yourself and a lot of people said, you were sort of introduced to the elite via that, you know, like Kenny Omega mm-hmm. and things like that and um, followed it from there. And um, basically I just was, yeah, I was, I was big on AEW when they were just a, t-shirt company because even like it was it it just felt like oh my god i can't believe this might actually be happening there might be another big promotion doesn't have to it's you know doesn't have to be the number one promotion but just a good solid wrestling promotion and yeah and so i've been pretty hooked since Mm. since double or nothing i suppose excellent uh i I do have a quick question for you just out of curiosity what is wrestling like in New Zealand? Obviously, I live in Australia, you live in New Zealand, the yep. opposite side of the world to the hotbeds of wrestling in America and the <laughs> yeah. UK. Yeah, and it is very yeah. niche here in Australia. But yeah. like New Zealand, you guys punch above your weight in terms of what you produce. Mm. Like Jay White, obviously bad like Farley has the dojo there and, and has produced a number of wrestlers that have gone on through to New Japan. Um, Tony Storm is actually from New mm-hmm. Zealand, moved to Australia when she was quite young. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of exchange, cultural exchange between our two countries. But I am curious what wrestling is like in New Zealand. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a really good question because wrestling historically was very popular. Um, it's it's kind of funny. I was doing research for something else for for, for my work, and I, I was looking up just some like theater listings at this theater in Hamilton, which is where I'm from, um, and they had you know like. Um, Ed the Strangler Lewis wrestling. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, it, you, you know, like it was a big, big, big thing. And then sort of through the sort of 60s and 70s, you actually had like, you know, NWA wrestlers coming mm. and stuff like that. And in the 70s, there was a, a program called On The Mat that was like, you know, primetime television on yeah. the one TV station that there was. Um, and, like you know, you had Bret Hart come out for that before he was even yeah. in the WWF, you know? Mm. Um, so it's always, it's always had like this sort of popularity today though it's it's i suppose it's wwe is one thing like wwe is still very Mm. popular i think amongst children um and it sort of has you know in the sort of um i suppose it's nerd culture i i i'm quite i'm like i'm sure wrestling is nerd culture and we should just embrace it but i think there's some people that think it should be that should be they think it should be jock culture um but so like i suppose you know there's a bit of popularity there but um it is niche like it, yep. it definitely especially like if someone sees me in an aw t-shirt they'll come up and comment you know like yep. it's kind of like and vice versa it's kind of like oh cool it's like a secret club almost and you know aw is pretty mainstream you know for wrestling <laughs> so um i think that that might be illustrative i'm not really it's it's been it's popular where it's popular but i yep. wouldn't say that it's like the biggest thing on earth yeah, yeah it's it's funny how that's similar to australia um <laughs> Mm. This, this is a wild tangent for people who are listening, but you're about to get a history lesson from me as well. <laughs> but, but just interesting in that in the in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, wrestling was quite big in Australia. And they often in Melbourne, they, they packed out like 10,000 people uh, into the festival hall there. 
And they've got like record crowds, recorded crowds of up to 30,000 people coming to watch, you know, like Dusty Rhodes toured Australia. Um, you've got those sorts of guys coming in, like NWA, pretty much, we've pretty much had an NWA territory here uh, with WCW World Championship Wrestling. Um, yeah, it was like Australia's World Championship Wrestling here. I, I, I follow um, them on Twitter. I follow them on yeah, Twitter. The yeah, but, yeah, but funnily enough, they, uh, they ended up getting booted off because they were in primetime TV on Channel 9, um, which is Kerry Packer's TV series, TV channel, Kerry Packer being kind of a version of Rupert Murdoch who never went international, speaking of Australia's, you know, greatest export. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, world. Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> I, I, uh, so he went international. He came into New Zealand yeah. for a while. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, so Packer, he kicked them off because of my other love, cricket, <laughs> having the World Series cricket. So... Um, that's like the the time when cricket exploded and they and one day cricket started and led to the death of pro wrestling pretty much here in Australia uh, for a long time. There is a bit of a burgeoning indie scene that has kind of resurrected that, but through the 80s and 90s, like it's really slim pickings uh, because of that. And wrestling has always been on pay TV as well. So uh, it, it's just not been as mainstream. I, I know that I had some friends growing up that liked wrestling. That was before I got into it. Um, but certainly... Beyond WWE here, there's not a whole lot of people. There is a diehard fan base. And, you know, if I wear my AEW shirt out, every now and again, I'll get someone who will say, like, oh, nice shirt or, oh, do you watch AEW or, or something along those lines. But it, it is really niche here. Uh, and it, but it's, I just thought that was really interesting how the histories mm. of pro wrestling in our two countries are so similar. And, you know, it, it's yeah. probably had a pretty, like, the effect of what happened in Australia probably caused some of the stuff that happened in New Zealand and vice versa. Well, I imagine. Doubt. And I, I think the other, the, the, what what shows that it's niche, I think actually, but still, you know, as I say, but it is still popular because you go into the mm. warehouse, you know, which is our, so, I mean, there's plenty of WWE stuff. It's doing fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like the, I mean, WWE packed out the MCG. That's like yeah, 60,000 yeah. people um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, but like, like no one knows who Jay White is. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If, how if, funny if, is that? <laughs> if, yeah, if he he could win, you know, the AEW world title. He could sign yeah. the AEW, win the world title tomorrow. And like for me, I'm like that should be the news. Like even yeah. just as like the entertainment news. But no, there's no way anyone would know who he is. And you just like, and they do all these you know sports awards and stuff. And it's a very mm. typical New Zealand sort of tunnel vision. Um, because a lot, you know, it's, it, was it the All Blacks? And it's like, well, they had a crap year. It's like, well, should we just still give it to them anyway? It's like, well, maybe try one of these, like, really popular international. No, we don't care about them. Like, yeah. they don't go on Webux. Like, yeah, so. Yeah. The only, actually, the only wrestler who ever makes news here in Australia, funnily enough, from, who's from Australia, you know, we've got Rhea Ripley, who is a de- de- former oh. WWE champion, women's WWE champion, Tony Storm, Jonah Rock. I can't remember Bronson. Who was Bronson Reed on NXT? What's um, um, Buddy Murphy? Buddy Murphy, Robbie Eagles. Mm. You know, like these days. But the only one who ever gets any mention is Daniel Vidot, uh, who God, I can't remember what he wrestles as in WWE, but that's because he's an ex-footy player. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> it's so always, good. it's always yeah. the, the headline is ex-NRL player. Then oh, this is what. So <laughs> it's crazy. That's I think like, like he's a see, job or name. something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sure, he is. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you said his name, I was like, wait, that name sounds familiar. Who the hell's yeah. that? And it's, 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 might, yeah, anyway, Hold on, I'll okay. just quickly Google. I'll find out who he is. Daniel Vidot. You, you'd be like me as well, because being I'm sure Australia was the same, and we're old, obviously. Um, 
like it's really funny when I see people talking about like the old days of like the Monday Night Wars and they're like yeah we'd like watch both and blah 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 and and I'll be like, man, we got Nitro like three months later and it was like an hour, <laughs> you know, and WWF <laughs> was, I think, a month and a half behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they didn't have all the pay-per-views. Like we just had the big four. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was just like, no, like, nah, man, it was a mess. Like you could go to the video store <laughs> and they'd get in the pay-per-view because they, they realized the kids were all loving this wrestling thing and they'd get the video in and it would be ahead of what was on TV. So that's how you got your spoilers. Like we didn't even have the internet, you know, it was like, oh, I was like, it's so quaint. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, these guys talking about like they're watching both at the same time. I'm like, no, <laughs> they were months apart. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Zion so. Quinn is uh, Daniel Vido's WWE name. So. Zion <laughs> Yeah. These names, they eh, eh, like, oh, Simon yeah. Quinn, that's a, a shocker. <laughs> I mean, Daniel yeah. Vidot's not great. Like, if they yeah, rolled true. someone out as Daniel Vidot, I think true. that would probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or he'd probably be, like, you know, it'd probably be Vidot. <laughs> Vidot. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, I, look, I, I really enjoyed that. So thank you for indulging yeah. us, everyone. <laughs> really, yeah. it was and it's nice to it's nice yeah. to be talking to someone who's a bit close to my time zone as well. Like I was going to say that's a, that's, <laughs> that's like it. Yeah, that's a um, that's a real geographical yeah. and age block off that we've just yep. done. Like, eventually, yeah. I'll eventually I'll talk to another Australian. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll have to. That'll be the final show. Uh, anyway, yeah. let's look. Let's get into the match. Um, we've talked about everything under the sun except that. Uh, as I said at the start, we are looking at the three-way AEW Championship match from Double or Nothing 2021. Kenny Omega versus Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, as we always do here on the AEW Match Guide podcast, to introduce the match, we will give it its flowers. Dave Meltzer, he gave it 4.5 stars. Cage Match currently have it rated at 8.9. And when we did the match guide back in 2021, the first match guide, it came in 17th. Um, so a match that is held in pretty high critical regard around the traps. Um, but I don't think one that is is getting sort of the the legacy that some other matches are getting. So we'll we'll dive into why that might be, but also why it was beloved at the time uh, as well. Uh, of course, the build centered around the AEW champion Kenny Omega, who was in the thick of his run as the belt collector at the time, holding the AEW, TNA, and AAA championships simultaneously, giving him four belts to parade around with in various guises um, before we get into the specific the specifics of the program um that they ran into in the lead up to this match um what did you just think of generally of kenny omega's character here at this point uh and his position as champion across so many organizations oh i mean this is amazing i loved it i thought this was so cool i just love this idea of this just absolute dominance character I, I wish you could have got more you know I, I wish you could have done the whole <laughs> Thanos thing that you saw the memes of yeah um, yeah I loved it I th- the way that they built his character at the start obviously it's been sort of gone over millions of times but you know as as not being good like having a really bad run and then him sort of you know after the breakup with Paige flipping the intensity to 12 and I love that like that's that sort of that idea that this is what was in him that whole time was someone like not only the 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 Kenny Omega that um was in Japan that everyone sort of talks about as being the glory days but like sort of like another level you know um Mm. yeah I I loved it I thought it was amazing yeah I'm in the same boat I I remember as a kid uh the Australian cricket team was very dominant 
uh, in the early 2000s. And there's oh, my this, God, tell me about it. <laughs> so, well, you, you could talk about the All Blacks after I finish talking about the cricket team. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, but there's this great picture of, of them and they had all these trophies. And as a kid, I would just thought it was the absolute coolest thing. And, of course, like there was older people who were like, oh, it's bad cricket, they're too dominant, they're too good. They're just beating everyone. It's boring. They're bullies, whatever. Um, but as a kid, I was just like blinded by these trophies that they'd won and just how good they were. Uh, and and that's, you know, there's something, even even as an adult, as a 30-something-year-old now, like when you see that, when you saw Kenny Omega with all of the belts, mm-hmm. you know, the various ways he had it, you know, sometimes you'd have someone else holding them up uh, like, you know, the like the boxers do. Um, you know, when you see a boxer walking to the ring and he's got like five different championship belts being paraded around by his lackeys or, you know, when he's got them draped all on him or he's uh, like, you know, lying down amongst all of the belts. It's just such a cool visual. I did think it was interesting. Like it was it was impressive that they were able to pull it off. Uh, an impressive bit of polit- politicking in, uh, you know, in a world of pro wrestling where that stuff hadn't really been done, particularly, you know, in the in the recent past. And in the past, that stuff is often wrought with with danger and wrought with bad endings. Uh, and you can argue, you know, about how this all ended up. Uh, we, we can probably talk about it on a different podcast. But, you know, it, it was impressive that and, and, were, and of note that all these companies were willing to put their trust in Kenny Omega and particularly in AEW um, because obviously he is an AEW wrestler. So they have top billing in these sorts of things. Obviously, if you talk to people who are into AAA and or, or Lucha, sorry, Mexican pro wrestling, um, Lucha, and, and I'm not just talking about people who watch Triple Mania once a year like me. I mean like people who watch <laughs> yeah. it all the time. Um, they will tell you that belts don't mean as much down there. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean as much for AAA, and he didn't defend that belt all that regularly. But certainly TNA, the legacy of that company, and it's not necessarily at this point, you know, in the latter, later 2010s, but the, the legacy of that is that was the first cha- like the first big company to come out of the post WCW world. And so that belt does mean something. Uh, and the wrestlers in there are really incredible wrestlers. And it's a, it's a company that has a TV deal. It's not nothing that he is holding those belts and also drawing big pay-per-view numbers as well for them. And, and I thought that was impressive as well that, you know, not only was he able to, to sort of boost business for AW and, and have this great visual, but he was able to sort of help TNA along. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what TNA's budget looks like, but I know that it would look more flush because they had Kenny Omega wrestling there so often, improving their numbers. Without, without question. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of an analogy from the old days and I can't necessarily, you know, sort of, come up with what I'm, I, I suppose it would have been like someone from the top card of WCW going to ECW, you know, I know that WWE mm-hmm. had a relationship with them, but I, I feel like that would almost be sort of more analogous and not, it's condescending to say propping up the, the, the television or whatever, but I mean, it, it is essentially the number one ranked wrestler in the world coming to your, uh, your promotion. I, I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. how anyone wouldn't jump at that chance and be stoked to have got the rub. Like, you yeah. know, um, a lot of people think that TNA's dead, you know, like, no, I'd be a bit facetious, but like, like the thing that I remember people saying at the time, cause I, I, I was one of the, the people that used to sort of watch TNA and just couldn't handle it anymore. Cause it was just, 
so awful. Um, TNA too hard. <laughs> yeah, I always like, have a habit of doing that TNA. <laughs> yeah, and it was just yeah, you know, it just got sad towards the end. But that's the thing is, it didn't end. And then suddenly people were like, and I'm like, why is he in the impact? And and they're like, oh, it's good now. And so I started watching it a bit, like you know, I was like, and I was like, yeah, it's good. Like this is not what I, this is not what it used to be. And so I'm curious to know, just like there must have been plenty of people like me that would, you know never like a thought it was dead or b had no interest in going back there and being like oh okay yeah no it's if he if kenny's gonna be there that's a pretty solid seal of approval isn't it yeah i mean like just speaking personally they got my 30 bucks a couple of times that and they've never got it before uh and i know there's plenty of people like that they, they haven't really got it since either because i didn't like anything else that they were doing at the time but you know they had a chance to impress me because i a pay-per-view because I wanted to watch Kenny Omega wrestle for these other belts. And yeah, not yeah. every wrestler can do not every wrestler has a fan base that will follow them like that as loyally as Kenny mm-hmm. Omega. So yeah, it's an impressive bit of business, even beyond, you know, like the character, this like incredible, arrogant, but also kind of like cartoonish character. Like he is he's like an anime, an anime boss in mm-hmm. terms of like almost the goofiness, but also the intensity as well. Kenny Omega in all of his pomp is a is a really cool character, but uh, also you know a, a mover of business I think, uh, and there's there's numbers to support that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing that we have people um, trying to pretend otherwise. Like you're allowed to, you might not like AEW or whatever. Like, but I don't even like Kenny Omega. Like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, there's there's plenty of wrestlers that I, I'm not particularly fond of, but can acknowledge. Mm-hmm have done really good business or were really influential you acknowledge them yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's yeah anyway but like it just seems silly that you'd even have to like i was thinking about this watching this match actually i probably i might be jumping ahead i won't go to any specifics but like watching the match itself i'm like the worst thing jim Cornette has ever done is convinced a bunch of people that like he's some like really crazy high flyer or something. And I'm like, mm. I was like, watch it. I was like, I feel like Kenny Omega should be Jim Cornette's favorite wrestler. Like <laughs> he takes he it so seriously. <laughs> what? Like he wrestled, he like, wrestled a, he wrestled a blow yeah. up doll and a girl. Like, I know, I know, but it's, <laughs> but it's, yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah. like passes. Cause I'm like, if you're watching that, I'm like, this is exactly what you want, Jim. This is yeah. meticulously planned to get the absolute most psychological yep. advantage out of everything. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly stiff. Um, you know, they're doing these incredible technical moves. Mm-hmm. There's very few dives from Omega anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Pack's another story, but um, uh-huh. like, you, you know it's just one of those things i'm like I was, I was watching i was like i feel like he should love kenny and now he just <laughs> and he probably does but he can't he can't like it's good business to to hate him oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> yes there's yeah. there's people who i don't know for whatever reason kenny omega just rubs them like sandpaper yeah. uh, but he is not yeah. the he's not the only wrestler in this match speaking <laughs> of wrestlers who rub other people like sandpaper orange oh. cassidy is also in this match but yes. also pack as well uh just more generally, what did you think of both uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy at the time of this match? Well, uh, I thought definitely more of um, Orange Cassidy, to be honest, mainly because of just by the bad luck of the pandemic. You know, mm. Pac hadn't been around as much in the preceding year, whereas Orange Cassidy had kind of been, you know, as part of his story, his long-term story, sort of been pushed to the moon. And I, I mean, I'm, I like Orange. I love, I love the the two 
elements to it. I like the idea of it being this like meta sort of self-reflexive thing, which is just kind of funny. But then I also love the element that in kayfabe, it's his whole shtick is like a way to put off wrestlers and to mm. get under their skin. And he's picked his moments and stuff. I love that. I think that's just something unique, like mm. that I hadn't seen before. Pack, I mean, Pack's awesome. It's just, and I do actually think his presence was kind of, I mean, there were a lot of presences missing in mm. 20. 20 obviously because it was you know things were a bit crazy mm. but you know he was he was one that i think was like sort of that match that these two had a revolution that you know pack and um and orange Cassidy had a revolution i think was like a real like oh yeah this is their moment they're about to mm. jump in and then you know the pandemic hits and he's stranded in england and things like that so it wasn't that i didn't like him because I, I think he's amazing. I love his character. I love his mm. style. Um, but I, I, his momentum had kind of been lost for me just mm. through no fault of his own. So it wasn't, yeah, I, I was just kind of like, okay, well, this will be very solid mm. knowing what a great wrestler he is. But I wasn't, yeah. I, I wasn't particularly interested in him. Yeah. He, Pac is someone who I absolutely adore. I love. One of my favourite wrestling Kind of, I wouldn't. I don't know if you call it promotion or something, but I loved Two Hundred Five Live in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, uh, and and Park was the guy that got me into it in twenty seventeen when he took the championship uh, off Rich Swan and he had that run as the king of the cruisers. It was awesome stuff, just incredible stuff. And he only went onwards and upwards after he finished up in WWE, went into Dragon Gate, had a had a giant run there. And then he was on fire at the start of AEW as well, just having great having great matches, great programs, cutting really excellent promos as well. Um, that's something that I think people underrate in Pac because he is such a crisp and technical and polished in-ring performer. Um, people underrate his ability on the mic and like some of the little, you know, two-minute video packages he's done are still some of my favourite things to go back and look at every now and again. Um, like when he, you know, says he's a honey badger and if you think you're hard, have a goal, mate. <laughs> I, just, I love it. I love it. But certainly his return at the end, I, I'm not sure, I can't remember if it was the end of 2020 uh, or the start of 2021, it did leave me a little bit flat. Um, they, it's like they didn't really know where to fit him. Uh, and I think because he does still live in the UK, coming back and going back and forth has really robbed him of momentum. Um, because he can't have a solid push because he'll be there and gone. Uh, so it's difficult to to book him just through the realities of travel. Uh, and so coming into this match, it's like, yeah, I know, I know that Park is going to be great in this match, but I certainly wasn't at the time. He wasn't in a position where you're thinking this is a guy who could legitimately dethrone Kenny Omega. Whereas, you know, 2020, uh, just before Revolution, they had an Iron Man match that was very closely fought. Uh, and the idea of, of it was that Park was Kenny Omega's equal. And, and, you know, by the time they walk into this, you can, even though part of the build, uh, as we'll get into, is that Kenny Omega sort of doesn't really want to have another one-on-one match with, with Pac, you don't, even though they're saying that, you don't feel it. I don't think anyone felt it, um, even though that's what they were trying to say and communicate across. And as he said, with Orange Cassidy, like, yeah, you, you kind of put it perfectly there. He had that great match with Park, had a really good series with Chris Jericho, which uh, I thought really elevated him. 
Uh, and then he was an integral part in the Best Friends, Kip Sabian and Miro story. Uh, even though that kind of did drag on and drag out a little bit, he he was. Ne- I don't think he was really damaged by that. I think it was other parts of the act that were sort of almost irreparably harmed in that one. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of came out of that okay, particularly given that he got the song. Um, he got the song um, from the Pixies, Where Is My Mind, at the end of it, which sort of um, was, a, was a big payoff for it. And I don't know, for me, that felt like a bit of a level up for him as well. Not necessarily putting him on the level of Ken Omega, as he said. If we want to move into the actual feud itself, it really sort of kicked off when Kenny Omega was doing an interview at Blood and Guts and Orange Cassidy sort of walked out and Kenny Omega gave him a real dressing down uh, on the mic uh, and that put in into motion a title eliminator match between Orange Cassidy and Pac, who at the time both had high singles ratings, uh, which Kenny then interfered in, hoping to ruin both, both, <laughs> both men's chances of facing him with the subtext being he didn't really want to face Puck. Uh, and instead it was announced that since there was no winner, both men would be facing Kenny at double or nothing in a three-way match. Uh, what did you think of the build for this match? <laughs> There's not much to it really, is there? Um, no. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the fairer criticisms I think of AEW is that sometimes things are rushed and there's a few too many things going on at once mm. and things don't necessarily get the attention that they deserve nor require. And I think this is just one of those examples. I think it's, as I say, we all knew, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because we all knew really where the story was going. Mm. And so we knew it wasn't changing hands. So, what, what, you know, how much effort do you put into something when the, the audience is that smart mm. that you're not really going to, trick anyone into you know like falling for it completely so how much i don't know it's just yeah it, it's I, I wouldn't envy it but at the same time like i thought they could definitely they've definitely done better <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. um as much as as i said we talked about how much of a big deal kenny omega was at the time and felt like at the time like this match felt like a throwaway match really for me uh it you know the build-up was lazier i, I kind of liked the psychology of it with as I said, Kenny trying to get out of a one-on-one match with Park, but because he didn't really feel that Park was on his level because he'd been his momentum had been so stalled, like he knew that he was a great wrestler and everything, but he didn't feel like he was on the level of someone who could credibly challenge Kenny Omega for the championship if given a one-on-one situation. You didn't feel the peril, and you didn't you didn't really have the, I guess you didn't have the emotional want for Park to to get that one-on-one match. And mm. I guess that's probably why they included Orange Cassidy in that because he's someone who's beloved, but, you know, we don't really, you know, he's even more, like he's even further down from that thing, particularly when Kenny Omega is doing a program like the Belt Collector. He's just not going to be losing to Orange Cassidy. And that's, you know, it, it does just make this match. It felt like, it felt a bit rushed, felt a bit thrown together. But, you know, they're still doing good good little promo segments for it there's good video packages it's just it didn't leave me wanting to see like i wasn't buying double or nothing because of this match i was you know no yeah but no, then again like as was... you said like we didn't need double or nothing didn't need this to be an absolute can't miss match well this is this isn't the main event of the card like, no you know yeah that's the thing is it so it's 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 the you know it's the the opener for the the actual main event which is the stadium stampede mm. um yeah, and I, the, I mean, I'm just sort of joking it, you know, probably hit again, but um, I feel like they kind of 
Um, is it, it'd be interesting your thoughts. I, I thought they kind of used that to their advantage once the match sort of actually started. It was almost like they um, knew that's what people were thinking, so kind of mm-hmm. wanted to lull them into like low expectations. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, like yep. and then blow them out of the water. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah, look, they, they certainly had a challenge on their hands when they got into the ring mm-hmm. on the night. Uh, and that's where we'll go to the match itself. Um, Pac is, unless you've got anything further you want to say about no, no, I should have just waited. I should have just waited to say what I just said till you said that next sentence before no, I interrupted you. And, then, and we would have, would have been <laughs> jumping is, ahead. So, it, yeah. it, is all, it is all good. Um, <laughs> Pac is out first, of course. Orange Cassidy, he gets a big pop when he comes out to Where Is My Mind. I can't remember the exact timeline of it, but I feel like this was just recently when he got that, when he finally got that, uh, when he got that music. Great song, absolute banger of a song. I love that song. Um, so, uh, and I, I loved it before he got it, uh, and him getting it is, I don't know, it's just like a perfect little weird twist. Uh, like that's a weird. It's kind of a weird song, uh, and it does some weird things melodically, which I don't know. I think fit Orange Cassidy very well. Um, especially, and also just the refrain, where is my mind as well? <laughs> it's it's uh, oh, very it, orange cast, like very a, on brand. Oh, 100%. It's like it was written for him. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, the, you know, you, I mean, I first hit it in Fight Club, of course I did, because mm. I'm old. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's as you say, it's, you summed it up perfectly. It's it's so him, but yeah, you, you, you could have convinced me if I'd never heard it that that was actually designed for him. Yeah. Plus and it's then, also just licensed license songs are fun anyway. Like the crowd oh, loves the yeah. license because they recognize it, you know. And so it just gets a pop regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As we saw it like WrestleMania with Pat Mac- McAfee coming out with Seven Nation Army. What a masterstroke. Yeah. Like, what a I mean, that guy is the smartest guy in the world. Pick the song that everybody knows the chant for already and walk out to it. Brilliant. <laughs> smart yeah. man. Very smart Genius. man. And what a, an awesome, Genius. awesome, awesome moment as well. Like a whole stadium mm. seeing that. Anyway, uh, finally, Kenny comes out and he's, as I said, draped in the gold. Uh, it's an iconic image uh, of this run, him walking out with the AEW belt around his waist, TNA belt around his shoulder, shoulder and chest, and then holding the AAA and impact belts in each hand. What a cool image as the fireworks go off. Yeah, it's, it really sums up what was so exciting about that show, that image, because, you know, it is that return to, hey, we're getting out of here. It's like this is our last show here for a while and we actually have crowds back and we can do mm. things back to normal. And it's just, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, it's just that, yeah, it, it kind of just sums up the, you know, such a great yep. image. It kind of sums up the excitement that was in the air, I think, mm. even on my couch in Hamilton, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I, I love this. Kenny had a lot of different looks as throughout his reign as champion. Uh, and certainly from the early times, this was my favorite of them. Like he had the white on and white, black and gold is just such a good look. He had like oh. gold. I'm, I'm not sure if he caught this, but in his hair, he had like gold flecks dyed into it. And, he, and this was before he had the ridiculous beards as well. So, you know, towards the end of it, he, he was really leading into that like anime boss sort of stuff. But in this, he, he looks like a real... This is a real serious champion, and and as I said, it's become an iconic image for good for good yeah. reasons. Pac sort of marches down. It's an interesting contrast. Pac like sort of marches down, and OC has his friends, but then of course Kenny Omega, the ultimate boss, um, coming out with those championships. Uh, and as the bell rings, like the dynamic the dynamic of the match is established immediately. 
um, with Pack like advancing straight at Omega and going straight for Omega. Uh, and then the champ sort of backing up into the ropes, throwing Bryce Remsburg in the way of Pack, and then using that split second distraction to cheap shot Orange Cassidy. Uh, it's like a really intelligent way to start things off and, and like set the pace and the tone and, and clearly outline the character motivations. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. Is it's because this is where I think it, it deserves quite a, a bit of credit actually, because the storytelling mm. in the ring really has to make up for the lack of storytelling coming in. Yeah. Um, so that you know they have to make those dynamics pretty clear pretty quickly, and I think I think they only get better as the sort of match progresses. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that sort of setup continues as Pack and Omega Omega immediately trade. They start trading uh, and. They're like equal, you'd almost call like a, an equality uh, in the ring. They're like different versions of the same thing. It, it's emphasized with them doing mirror spots off the ropes. Um, like Kenny goes for a V trigger, Puck goes for a pump kick, uh, and it ends in dual running cross bodies. And that allows Orange Cassidy to sort of calmly just stroll in uh, and make the least urgent looking cover <laughs> on each of them. And both of them kick out at one. This absolutely enrages both men. <laughs> I, I love that like character dynamic there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's such a it's such a like whiplash moment. That that cross body that they do is mm. brutal. Like it is absolutely brutal. And then it's amazing that you can turn that around <laughs> and have your comedic element just stroll on in and mm. almost take the piss. But it's everyone loves it, and it's and it is kind of it does. I don't know. It's sort of it sort of levels things back out again. It's it's because you've just had a very intense rally. Um, mm. I didn't really actually think of it like that until you just sort of pointed out, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing and stuff, isn't it? But I like the psychology of what Orange Cassidy is doing because as um, if you haven't listened to it, if you want to get Orange Cassidy, um, watch the Park versus Orange Cassidy match and then cheap plug, um, listen to the podcast that did back, way back mm. at the start of all of this um, with the implications where we talk about Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, he is a trickster. He is a prankster. But he is a very skilled wrestler. And what he does is he sets traps um, and he he does things to trip up wrestlers. And what he's doing in this moment, when he puts these light pins on, he's making Omega and Puck take him lightly. He's trying to get them to think that they can kill each other and he isn't going to capitalise. And as we'll see later in the match, he is planning to capitalise, but he wants to make them think that they can forget about him they cannot take him seriously that they can take him as a joke and it won't matter for them when in fact it could be the ending for them if they let their guard down for a split second he will jump in and he will he will take advantage i I love that and you know you've got the absolute other end of that which is puck who's just like this straight killer who you know there's no false airs about him at all he just goes straight for omega everything is full on everything is just like all out going for the kill. And then I, I feel like Kenny is almost like a bit in between the two. Um, like he's almost a, a weird combination of the two in that like he's got the athleticism, but he's got a bit of goofiness about him. Yeah, definitely. And just just what you, just I was just thinking while you brought up Kenny, the whole time as well, I just speak to, I should have mentioned this earlier, but all I could think about was like his vertigo and like all his injuries. And he's taking... You know, like he still had so long to go in that title run. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I was just like, all I can think about is like, man, I can't believe he's doing it in the state that he is in. Um, mm. 
yeah, in, in terms of as I sort of sort of talking about before, I think that this is, I think this is the match about Orange Cassidy more than anything. Um, to me, this is the end of his two-year story, and it's mm. it basically encompasses like what you're talking about, but like you know. Essentially, if you think about it, like in kayfabe, it's a guy like the real, um, I can't even think of the guy who plays Orange Cassidy's, you know, what his real name is. But, um, you know, it's, it's a guy that is never really going to be champion, but is a really good wrestler, but he can't make that cut through. So he comes up with this, you know, he becomes a trickster. Like he becomes like a real psychological um like that's a psychological weapon is basically lulling people into false senses of security. So they get complacent or, or angering people like, and getting them really frustrated. Um, and so I love that essentially this match, you, like if you think about that, this first match that Puck and, um, and Orange Cassidy had at revolution, I feel like that was him, you know, taking his shot. He's like, I've, I've managed to get enough attention. I've managed to, to get to this point. Uh, and I, I think I can get under this guy's skin and mm. I'm going to eventually force a match and I'm going to win it and go on to great things and I mm. will become champion type thing. But he doesn't win. You know, it's it's kind of like, oh, okay, I couldn't quite beat him. But he's drawn enough attention so it moves into the, sort of that second chapter where he has Jericho, as you mentioned before, who really mm. elevates him. And he's basically got to take any chance that he could get to have another go at the championship. And so he just keeps going away, ticking up, you know, he's getting better. He's winning more. He's winning more. He's winning more. And finally he gets into the situation where he's meeting pack again. And so ultimately mm-hmm. pack beating him didn't actually even help. It's kind of like this redemption arc, like mm-hmm. tap. He's like, Hey, I'm here anyway, even though you beat me. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they go into this match and he's, you know, it's well, is this guy actually going to become champion? Um, mm. And they do their best to make you think that um, before. No, this is the yep. end of his story. Mm. Realistically, as you know, as you alluded to before, he's not really the very top of the card. But we can make an interesting yeah. story using his character. Mm. Yeah. Um, the the first real big spot of the match. I'll, I'll we'll we'll come back to Orange Cassidy later. I should say. Sorry, um, yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah, No, no, I, I like what you've said there. Um, but I, I do think there's an interesting conversation to be had around him. Like, could he ever hold a championship? And I, we'll put a pin mm. on that um, as something that we'll come back to down the line. The first real big spot of the match goes to Puck. He hits a moonsault to the outside on Omega. We also get to see, of course, with these three wrestlers in there, you're going to get some really cool athletics. But we get, like, Kenny's Terminator dive onto both men and then he, like, sort of goes straight into the barricades off the top of it all. Um, Park hits a 450 splash onto Kenny and Orange Cassidy uh, as those two are like chain wrestling and and doing um, different pinning attempts. Uh, Park leaping over the top turnbuckle to hit an avalanche belly belly to back suplex on Kenny um, before Orange Cassidy hits um, a pocket-assisted senton (laughs) where he's going off the edge uh, onto Park on the outside. Uh, and then, of course, you, you do get the awesome Black Arrow. So a lot of really impressive stuff from from Puck in this match. Um, what was your favourite of, of sort of either these moments or just another one that pops up in, in your mind? My favourite moment was um, definitely the very first instance where Cassidy, I can't remember which, which sequence it was that you just described, but basically Puck has done all the work and he's just about to pin um, Omega and out of nowhere, 
Cassie comes in and just throws yeah. him off with way yep. more energy than he's shown on match yep. and goes for the pin. I loved it. I thought that yeah. was so brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That in like the end, that's like kind of coming up to the ending stretch where, and he just, he hurls him out, like absolutely yeah. hurls him out. I love um, some, some things that like I didn't mention there, but that I do love. I, I love how Orange Cassidy sells, like all of these men just throw themselves around like, you know, like they're ping pongs. But because Orange Cassidy is so slight, uh, he just folds his body and bends his body in such contorted ways that, like, the pain you, you see that he's in, particularly when someone's got, like, a submission hold on him or someone suplexed him or something, it, it's really visceral um, because he is, you know, a relatively thin and, and lean guy. That really contrasts with, you know, the hard-hitting nature of, of Kenny and Pac. Like, Kenny, his offense is, like, all strikes and slams. Like, his offense is all built around his power built around his big strikes particularly his big chops and suplexes and slams and then there are a few dives as well which as you said like it's funny that people think that Kenny Omega is uh, like an aerial uh, wrestler a high flyer and to be fair he was a lot more so back when he was a junior a, a, a light heavyweight wrestler back in you know the early 2010s and was wrestling, you know, matches with Kota Ibushi and, and in the junior division in New Japan or as a tag in the Gold Lovers tag team uh, in, in New Japan and DDT. He was much more high-flying, but particularly as a heavyweight, like his, his arsenal of strikes and slams is real. It's just really pleasing to watch, and he executes it so well. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, technically Jericho was a high-flyer. You know, twenty years ago, um, <laughs> high fly was a bit different back then. But um, yeah, no, for, for sure, that's that's. A that really was like point. he does um, a he does a suicide dive. Oh, it must be a high flyer. <laughs> now everyone yeah, does. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does the the lion salt off yeah. like the second rope, and I was like, holy <laughs> crap! Did you see that? Um, he 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 jokes about that himself. Yeah. I think um, I'm sure I read something from him, basically saying the exact same thing. It, it's it's just so confusing to me because yeah, it, as a, as you say, as a hero, he he's he's so good at delivering stiff shots, but also not stiff shots that make a great sound, Mm. Um, whether that's slapping the leg or whatever. And I know that's a real controversial thing, but I I mean, I don't. Sounds really good. Why would you not? Yeah, I was, you know, what's so funny is I didn't even notice for the longest time because I was such a mark. I was looking at the face getting hit Mm. and I didn't even like, I was like, how can you see that? And they're like, well, move your eyes one inch to the left. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But no, it's, and and the the camera works great as well because it'll change sides when he's about to get hit in the Mm. face with a V trigger. And it's, it's, it's all, it looks sickening like a lot Mm. of the time. It looks freaking horrible and the sounds Mm. really go with it. And that's, I'm like, this, Kenny Omega is a brutal wrestler mm. and it's it's something I don't I don't think people necessarily appreciate sometimes um yeah anyway so yeah but no I, I don't think I added anything to what you just said but yeah, yeah. That, no that's all good yeah. it, it all adds something <laughs> yeah. um in, in terms of the actual structure of this match like three-way matches or triple threats as it's, as it's more commonly known that it is a weird sort of match style because it's Wrestling is built around one-on-one confrontations. Mm. And, and so it's difficult to get three, you know, if you've got four people in a match, then you can just have two lots of one-on-one. But if you've got three people or five people sometimes, I guess, but three people is, is more common. Um, you, it does require certain um, trade-offs that you don't normally do. And it's, it's sort of emerged that there's like two different structures of triple threat matches. 
there's what I would call like the most traditional structure in terms of what's become most common. Uh, and that was really, it's really exemplified by the um, WrestleMania 20 match with HBK, Triple H and Benoit. <coughs> You've got three sort of really equal wrestlers doing a lot of doing things together. There's often, you know, like one person, that there's a one-on-one, one person comes in, they swap around. Uh, and then it's one-on-one and then the other person comes in and, and they sort of trade places that way. But it's it's positioned as like three equal wrestlers all wrestling on equal terms for the most part. But then there's another style of triple threat, which has become more common lately, where you've got like one guy who is just like this absolute monster who two people have to gang up on and get to try and take out. And then they just wrestle like hell to try and beat each other until the other one comes out. Um, comes back. The place where I'd say uh, it was, I guess, popularized would be the Seth Rollins, John Cena, and Brock Lesnar triple threat at the 2015 Royal Rumble. And that's sort of been used, of course, a lot in like the Brock Lesnar multi man matches and also like the Shield triple threat match when they did that at Battleground 2016. Uh, that was sort of wrestled like that with Roman Reigns playing in like the monster role. Uh, and, and you've seen various iterations of that taking place and this one's sort of uh it's almost like a weird amalgamation of the two um because at times orange cassidy is kind of playing the guy who's off on the side but he is far from being a monster like he's not brock lesnar (laughs) but he's off on the side just because of the i guess the the reason of his just the way that his gimmick works um he's almost voluntarily off on the side uh in that in that position but as i said like these are three um, three wrestlers who are put on relatively even footing, particularly Kenny Omega and Park. So I, I'm curious what you think of the how this match was structured. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a tough one to answer because I've never been a big fan of triple threat matches for a lot of the sort of reasons you sort of covered um, in terms of like that that predictability. Like they were always kind of like you kind of limited with what you can do here in terms of believability. Like you know there's going to be a big spot where someone is incapacitated so you can get one-on-one. It's kind of like in a in a movie when a group attacks someone, thank you for attacking me one at a time. Um, like that's really, I'm glad that I'm only <laughs> having to face, there's two wrestlers I'm facing, but I'm only having to face one at a time. Um, yeah. And so I've always kind of thought they were not not lazy, but like restricting, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, and that really sort of limited the variety. So I was not that excited when it was announced for that reason, as I was kind of like, well, AEW does a lot of near falls anyway. And he's just going to be really close near falls, but with dives instead. Um, but I think they did, what I think they did a really good job of is the third, like, you know, the final sort of stretch of it. I think that, that, that last sort of, I don't know, sort of five to 10 minutes builds mm. up, so fast to such a an interesting crescendo um even to you know the it's nothing to do with triple three match but just the small details like callus freaking out on the commentary and um yeah i i think i think they basically built everything towards that final ramping up in intensity and because of that i think it yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really love that attention to the ending, I suppose, is what, what yeah. I'm trying to say. You said this is a match that's almost like about Orange Cassidy. I, I really think yeah. you're right in that, like, as I said, he's he's the X factor in this match. 
and and almost like the, if th- this match has succeeded, if people buy into Orange Cassidy's potential to win it. And, you know, he's the one that takes the most punishment. Um, he takes stacks of V-triggers and suplexes. Um, but that only makes the audience, like, pop harder when he gets his hands in his pockets and, and finally fires up. And he has a great fire up as well because he does so much slow. When he explodes and moves so quickly, it, it's really easy to get wrapped up in that and, and just have your mind blown a little bit because you're seeing this guy who's previously moved quite slowly and lackadaisically just explode across the ring. And, you know, like when he gets the big near falls, he gets one off a, a brain buster to pack. Uh, he gets an even bigger one when he does that. As you said, there's that moment where Pac does like an avalanche falcon arrow on Omega and then Orange Cassidy just like inserts himself and throws Pac out of the ring, which is, you know, it's perfect. Like an avalanche falcon arrow is one of those moves where you kind of have to hurt yourself a little bit to deliver it. And so it's a perfect moment for him to capitalize on that. And he, he gets a near fall and then he immediately hits a beach break on Omega after that in the crowd. Like, I think that's when the crowd bites. I think they think that he could have won it at that point. Because as we said, like going into this match, you know, logically, and AEW is a smart crowd, like it's not a bunch of kids who, <laughs> and I'm not saying that derisively, but like it's a smart crowd. It's a crowd that going in, they would have been like saying, of course, Kenny Omega is going to win. But if in the moment you can just buy it emotionally, even just for a second, holy shit, they're going to do it. That's that they've got you. And that's like, if this match succeeds, if you get that match, I do think the crowd, and I know i sort of bought it when they hit the beach break on Omega. Yeah, and it, totally. And that's one of the things I think they do just so well in that that sort of final crescendo. And this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I think I love it. And perhaps I'm just too nice on it because of because of it. But, you know, it's not only the idea, getting back to Orange Cassidy, there's also, I suppose, the idea that, like, it's not even necessary that you have to believe that he could win. It's more that you, you can believe that, Kenny is going to find it too hard to overcome one in three odds as opposed to one in two odds. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be like, cause he doesn't have to get pinned. Um, so it's, it's just, it's not even so much that he can win it as much as he can get really lucky. And given that he's actually this guy that has his hands in his pockets as a gimmick has managed to play his way to a title match and he actually now has an opportunity to become world champion. I think that's a really, um, really cool element. The other detail that I think it's just worth noting is you sometimes forget is how integral the referees are to a lot of this action. And it's just, it's interesting because you think of the referees as being reactive, right? Like the wrestler does something and they count one, two, the wrestler kicks out and you pull your hand away, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you can tell on this one, the referee's leading, you know, they go like one, two, and basically they've been told, you know, Bryce, on three, you just keep going until you're about two centimeters away from the mat, mm. and that's when you stop and do a pull. It will sort out the rest, and, <laughs> and it doesn't matter really because he's committed to you know getting the hand you know there, like just off the ground and making it really dramatic. It doesn't matter if they it doesn't sync up properly. It just adds so much to that near fall, and it, mm. yeah, it, it baited me. I actually was like, "Holy crap!" I'm doing this mental rolodex thing, going, "Well, hold on." Maybe they will give it to him. Why would they give it to him? What's the potential? Where's that going? <laughs> you know, like you, you start yeah. like scattering and you're like, oh my God, I think they might actually do it. Um, mm. You know, yeah, it, it, incredible. Uh, it, that's, that's, it doesn't happen often. Mm. You know, we, as I said to you before, like we're so jaded. You know, we're mm. like <laughs> smart, smart's a nice way to say that. Yeah. Like, jaded. It's, it's, it's hard to, you know, actually be like, 
getting that sense this of this is a genuine surprise yeah yeah and, and yeah. they did it and that's why i think it's just incredible yeah and and like the ultimate ending sequence is a story of that um like that sense of peril you know or don Callis on commentary he's yucking it up the whole time he's just talking about how great he is how great kenny omega is but then as things get like more and more he goes he starts you know getting a bit worried and climaxes in orange cassidy hitting pack and omega with omega with orange punches and he just yells shit shit and then runs off the mic and the commentary team's like what is going here and you know he pulls the ref out as orange cassidy goes to pin pack and there's giant like big fuck you don chance um go up as um, as as orange cassidy starts like headbutt kenny omega which i love when have you ever seen orange cassidy headbutt someone like this is a like the whole idea is like this is a guy who doesn't try and he's but but he's like so in the moment he's so he's just doing the most visceral thing you can think of which is whack someone with his head and then pack manages to get oc in the brutalizer uh kenny then takes out bryce remsburg <laughs> before hitting pack with like the production line of belt shots he gets one he gets two he gets, <laughs> um using up all the championship belts on pack <laughs> to take the Englishman out. But even then, like Orange Cassidy manages to blindside Kenny Omega with another orange punch. Um, but by the time Aubrey Edwards like rushes out um, to try and make the count, he, she only gets a two count. Um, and Kenny is able to reverse that into a crucifix uh, and get the, the three count and the win. What a cool yeah. ending sequence. What did you think the, of it? The, oh, I mean, it's one of my favorites. The, like I was trying not to laugh, like listen to your recap, because the, the Don Callis bit is yeah, it's hilarious. one of my favorite pieces of commentary ever. He is so good. Mm. It's like you legit think something has like, like, oh man, I've just got a text from my wife saying my kid's been in an accident or something. The panic in yeah. his voice is outstanding. Um, yeah. And I love the, just again, the, the pulling out of the referee, you know, as he's going in for the count, just, and him just standing there going, two, two, two. And he's like, yeah, well, it is two because you pulled me out of the ring. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so good. It's um, so clever. And, it's you know, again, keep it in mind, this sort of fan theory I have of this being the end of the, you know, this Orange Cassidy story. Um, you know, they give him everything, don't they? Like, you know, mm-hmm. he gets, he is the visual winner, isn't he? They really do their best to put him. I mean, he's already over, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like to make it clear that no, he's the winner of this match, but just he's not going to win the belt or the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. The yeah, Callis, the Aubrey Edwards running out, like yep. you know the the ridiculous run she has, mm. where she's in you know, the arms are like the Terminator. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know what I'm trying to say, right? The reference yep. I'm trying to make, and the um, belt shot yeah. after belt shot, like the. Yeah. <laughs> like paying off the, the championships oh, he's won. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think, it, uh, yeah. And I, it, it, it's, yeah, it's just, there's not much more to be said. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Even just even just with the belt shots, like the fact they leave the AEW one to the end and Kenny is like, yeah, give me the big one. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> like that's the, the one that takes one. him down. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Kenny's character, eh? Like, touch just going way back to the the show, like, like just nerd douchebag. Like, you know, it's like just trying so hard to be in a fraternity, but like the Mm. fraternities won't let him in because of his, like, yeah, his anime books that he's carrying around or something. Like, anime books he's carrying. Oh my God, show how bad I am. Um, Anime DVDs or something. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like a parody of an 80s or 90s wrestling champ 
Yeah. In terms of what he is, like mixed with like an anime villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mixed yeah. with also like humorless driven tunnel vision focused athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like like do no, I'm not gonna like you know, I'm like an old time sex. There's no way I'm touching a cigarette or like yeah. you know alcohol you know uh, none of that kind of stuff like that mm. real driven insanely dedicated to training yeah so look overall you've said you you really love this match watching it back i was like oh yeah this is a really good match but i was like thinking i wonder why do i forget this match like why is this when we did the the match guide it came in 17 and i think one of the reasons it came in 17 was because we did it so soon after Double or Nothing. At the time, people were high on this match. But I think if, if we reran the poll today and said only the same matches can, can be entered in, so the first two years, I don't think it would do as well. I just, I, I don't think that, that people remember this. And I, my theory is, I'm curious what you think of this. My theory is that it didn't really progress things as much for the other people in it uh, as, say, like your, your other pay, pay-per-view title matches that Jericho and Moxley had. Or even like Omega and Moxley had, where you've got it um, ending with Eddie Kingston coming out and reuniting with Mox. Or I'm thinking like with the Moxley run, you've got what happens after Brody Lee. Brody Lee goes out and he goes on to become the TNT champion after beating Mox. Same with Darby Allen. He goes on to become the TNT champion. Like Cody, after he got beaten by Jericho, he goes on to have this blood feud with MJF. And nothing really happened with Orange Cassidy and Pac afterwards. Uh, and, and this didn't really have an effect on Kenny Omega's character either. It was kind of just like waltzed on through um, and he just continued on his glorious reign. That's my theory. I'm, I'm curious what you think of it, given that I think you're you're really high on this match and I think potentially a little bit higher than me. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think what it is as well is I, I actually agree with everything you've said. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any any chance this would rank as high as 17th. I don't, I don't know if it would rank as high as 17th this year, you know, um, if you put it on this, okay, I'm being very facetious, but um, yeah. What I think is why I'm so high on it is, is for the match itself. Yeah. And if you take into those other considerations, like the program leading into it and the follow on and that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's, it, it is forgettable. That's the simple truth of the matter. It is a bit of a throwaway. I think what it is, is that the I, it's the match itself that I'm hired. Mm. I think that they they took that complacency and and made you, you know, pushed it to its limits. Do you know what I mean? Like really made people believers in something that they knew they shouldn't believe in. And it's for the progression. But yeah, I I this is the end of the Orange Cassidy story. This mm. is this is his because he's not. It's 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 like Rocky meets uh, Andy Kaufman, like. It's this is his his ending is that no he doesn't beat Apollo Creed like it's mm. just that Orange Cassidy hasn't had like six sequels since mm. they're, they're starting in Orange Cassidy too I just don't know where that's going at the moment because they haven't really done a lot with him since have they mm. like no. yeah and no it's 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 pretty um it's pretty uneventful for him at the minute and it's curious mm. to see if there's a, a a development in terms of you know okay this you know if, if you go kayfabe well this gimmick isn't going to really work anymore because mm. everyone's wise to it does it mean there's a change or do they stick with it for a while yeah. i'm very curious the, the stuff you know with with the best friends is interesting at them oh i suppose it's yeah yeah anyway like in terms of what's happening in the yeah. programming now you yeah know, um with willa uter and stuff um 
yeah, it's 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 kind of like he's really fine. And Pack, yeah, Pack, Pack. This is it's, it's, you touched on it before, eh? Like it's that it's that part of it's his own deal living in the UK. It's really mm. hard to to push, and that's how he gets into a, a you know the the death triangle, which is kind of like oh, okay, it was like, okay, mm. a Geordie luchador. That's fine. Um, I don't know what they're background necessarily is you know <laughs> like if you're you know but okay that's cool yep. they're, they're, and then oh phoenix and penta are just gonna tag and mm. they're gonna be the champions so they're gonna have their own th- you know you, you, you know what i'm trying yeah. to say like it's, it's it's so kind of inconsistent and yeah by by the nature of that kenny story that was going on it was a hiccup wasn't it it wasn't mm. um yeah it didn't impact it because it wasn't meant to there was other stuff to be focused on there you had to have a title defense, I suppose, but his bigger challenges were still to come. Mm. I yeah. I think what this match does do, and, and this is what I'll say about it, is it is a bloody good time. Like, it's a fun match. And I think a lot of, looking back at Double or Nothing 2021, just about all of the matches are that. Like, what match, the only match I can think of on that card that had, like, long-term consequences was the Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida match. Like, everything else was, like, just a real good rollicking time. And you know what? That's all that pay-per-view needed to be. Like, that pay-per-view was going to be a landmark event, regardless of what they did, because it was the return of live crowds to AEW. And that crowd was just so pleased to be there. And all you needed to do them was give them a bloody good time. Like, I'm thinking Hangman Page and uh, Hangman Page and Brian Cage. Like, Brian Cage, what really yeah. came from that? Not a lot. No, there was sure. sort of that kind of had some had had an impact on the what was going on with Brian Cage within Team Taz. But like, what's really ultimately eventuated from that? Um, Brian Cage I mean, isn't yeah. on TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, or, Hangman got his Hangman got his win back. That's yeah, what it was, yeah. Really, like you know, yeah. yeah, like Bucks versus this was my favorite match on the show. Bucks versus yeah, yeah. Mox and Eddie. Incredible Amazing. match, Amazing. awesome match, yeah. but like, what does it mean? Not a lot. It was yeah, just think, a bloody I good think, time. <laughs> yeah, d- even that's, Stadium I think, Stampede yeah. too. Like that was yeah. the midpoint of the feud for these guys, and it was just like a really fun time. <laughs> well, hundred percent agree, and it's that it was a celebration of wrestling and like yeah. of a live atmosphere. That's all it needed like to that. be, mm. and that's it's all it needed to be, and that's mm. why, I, uh, yeah, this match delivers in terms of. Exactly. It is a rollicking good time. It plays with your expectations and it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a few, my, the stadium stampede, you know, like you, you did right. They didn't have to do anything, but I did like, I loved the the ending to stadium stampede, eh? like where they yeah. bring it from it back into the ring. Yeah. Like, and like no more cinematic matches where like, this is our way of trend, like yeah. Dorothy transitioning from black and white to color. Like imagine, they're doing imagine if they put time. that on first. It would have been interesting yeah. to see what would have happened, but that could have been like, because I mean, the storyteller in me is like that they were already back. Like this is not yeah, the return. Like yeah, obviously, yeah, like yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. gonna pragmatically, you're not gonna like deny this voracious crowd who is like chomping at the bit. You're not gonna deny yeah. them for half an hour so you can have like yeah, this artsy yeah. thing. But like storytelling yeah, wise, yeah, yeah. man, <laughs> that, yeah, could have, yeah, yeah, that could have been. Yeah. No, I know what you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah for sure. Moving beyond like double or nothing and, and sort of into, I guess, more nebulous talk. Where do you think this rates amongst Kenny's defenses? 
it, it, in terms of match, oh, that's oh, that's such in a AW. We'll just say in AEW because yeah, no, there, were the AW, t- there was the yeah, TNA yeah, yeah. stuff and the AAA stuff, but yeah, within AEW, yeah, you know, hmm. I'd say it's probably near the bottom. Unfortunately, even yeah. though it's an amazing match, just because of all the periphery stuff around hmm. it. In terms of the matches, I think it's. I mean, I think the dark horse of those ones is his, his match against Phoenix um, yeah. on Dynamite. Um, th- that kind of gets forgotten because it was on TV. Um, but yeah, I'd, pr- I'd probably, I suppose, place it near the bottom. Um, if, if just to go against the, just to put it against the other pay per view matches, would you have yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. How many would you yourself? Yes. Would you have it? At, and I'll tell you what I what I would do after mm-hmm. after you go. But yep, would you have yep, it above or below Mox Omega? The exploding oh, Death match. Yeah. You'd have this one oh, above. Yeah, above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have I'd have the death match above it person. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can find out why by listening to the podcast with that cheek plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, nice. this this verse Christian at all out. Uh this definitely. Yeah, I'd I'd be the same, honestly. I think their yeah. best match was the one before it. If yeah. you include like the five minutes the, the five minute post match, I don't know, maybe that's like the best match of <laughs> the best moment of sure. AW history. Yeah. Uh then uh yeah, Christian A, what a soldier. Yeah. Just like yeah. Oh man. Oh. Yeah. It was, you know, that's another good match, but not one that's going to be remembered in the history books. Yeah. And then of course this match versus Hangman Page, I think we'll both um be, yeah. be in agreement that <laughs> yes. that one yeah. is well above this. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Do you think this was, we sort of talked about actually this already um, with Orange Cassidy uh, and this being sort of like the, an end point for him or something of a, a full stop for him, uh, a, a point for his character. But do you think this is the pinnacle for Pac and Orange Cassidy in AEW? <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't want to get crucified. I don't think that this, look, I love Orange Cassidy, but I don't necessarily you never say never in wrestling but mm. I, I don't think he as it stands in this in this iteration um should be champion and best in I, small doses i think yeah yeah unless there is something unless he does come up with some radical evolution that makes mm. it fresh and interesting again but i don't you know don't rush that um as you say the key is small doses and pack like i I think Pack is an extraordinary talent and I really like him, but yeah, I just, unless he fully committed to being in the States, I, I, I think, yeah, this is as high as he'll, I think he had a really strong start. Um, mm. And that's basically that up to here is basically his peak. And I don't, I'm yeah. not really sure what's next for him, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think like I could early on in AEW, I could see Pack as a potential AEW champion. Not anymore, mm. um, just given yeah. the talent that's come in. And I, I think both would put, would do very strong TNT title runs. I think that would be realistic for both of them. But, you know, like the amount of wrestlers that AEW has have really good TNT title runs yeah. is like a giant, it's like a clown <laughs> car. Where's people just yeah. falling out left and right? Like, that and, is that, a, and that is one of those problems with mm. like the the you know I I it is it is a big big mm. roster and it's yeah. um yeah hundred percent at the start of things when Pack is beating Kenny Omega like you know um yeah he's he's the top guy almost mm. like yeah definitely but now it's kind of like geez like. Yeah, I, I mean, probably, yeah. Like, well, there's, there's guys that are there sort of more regularly, and it's mm. not to blame her, but it's just you get more exposure to them. Mm. Um, and that, uh, I don't know, that are just more impressive at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, early yeah, so, on, yeah. Pac, Pac, this was Pac's record early on. 
He beat Kenny mm-hmm. Omega. He wrestled John Moxley to a, a TV time limit draw, and he mm-hmm. beat Hangman Page. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That is insane. So beaten, like that is so. So high. he's beaten two two of the four champions and tied with the other one. Yeah. Yeah. While in AEW. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's remarkable now that you've just listed it like that. That's yeah. incredible. But but mm. yeah, like I don't think for various reasons. And and as we said, like both of us early on, love big fans of Pac and mm. not just his in ring work, which we could la- wax lyric about all day, but his yeah. promos and everything as well. He he is yeah. very much a complete package, but I don't know, it's just never really hit full pace except yeah. for that early run. Uh since there's since- never been since COVID happened, he just hasn't yeah. been able to get that same momentum. Even though he has oh, had good matches, just... like the matches against Andrade yeah. were, were mint. Really great wrestling. Oh, they were amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's another guy that would have a great TNT yeah. title run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, potentially world champion. Like, like you know, the, the big title. Like, he's certainly got the talent for it. But mm. where do you put him in that line? <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, oh, sorry, I, I was going to be silly. All I was going to say was that I've never seen a wrestler that suits his nickname more than yep. Pack has the bastard. That is just <laughs> that's his character. Yep. He's a bastard. Like yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know what I think Orange Cassidy's <laughs> ultimate destination should be, and I'm not sure when this is going to happen. If they don't mm. do it, they're absolute idiots. The FTW mm. Championship. Who is more FTW than Orange Cassidy? Holy and the belt is crap. orange. <laughs> the belt is orange. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Long-term booking. That's why they brought it in. It's all <laughs> leading to it, man. You, that's where it ends. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, you, got this, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, guy. The belt is orange. Like, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, the, that's it. That's, I, saw, like, I saw. We've got vision here. And I saw Bevan's eyes light up when I mentioned that. He, oh, he had a light bulb. Yeah. Up, so. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's it's one of the best ideas I've heard. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, look, last last thing I've got, last question I've got written down. It's more just generally about triple threat matches. It's not something that AEW's done a lot of. They haven't done a lot of multi man matches except for multi man gimmick matches. What mm. do you think their place is in AEW? Uh, and do you think they should do more? If so, like, is there anyone in particular you think would work well in it, or or or? Where do you think they should fit for AEW? Yeah, I'm not, as I sort of touched upon earlier, I'm not a fan. Um, so for me personally, very infrequently um, mm. is, is is enough. Like the they can have another one again soon maybe, but mm. yeah, it's, it's not my cup of tea because... Mm. As we all those reasons we touched upon earlier, yeah, like it's you have hard like to do sort of the, you know, it's a the format. signature moves which suddenly start knocking people out for <laughs> for two yes, minutes exa- when previously yeah, they yeah. would get up, yeah, 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 and it's and it's asking a lot to do that regularly, basically. Yep. Like you're asking a lot of suspension of disbelief, but if you know if you do it once every eighteen months or something like mm. that, or two years, and you have got guys that are doing amazing work and things like that to distract you, you know, you can fall into that yeah. um, kind of thing. And that, and that's, what's kind of good about it. So mm. yeah, no, I, I, I've had my fill with this one, mm. to be honest. Um, I'm in no rush to see another one. Yeah. I, I certainly, they've, they've done them for the TNT. They've done them for the women's, mm. but I certainly think if you want to have big matches, you book one-on-one mm. matches, unless yeah, there's, totally. there's certain things like the only the only one that I can think is like this was a triple threat that everyone was dreaming of is the shield triple threat, but that's because it was the three people in the group. So like that's an inbuilt story there. 
most yeah. of the time, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, mate, <laughs> do we get the elite triple threat? Is that ever going to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but, God, but I'm sure, I'm sure they would put on an incredible match if they ever did it. Amazing. But yeah, like amazing. when I think big time matches, like big pay per view matches for the championship, you want to see it one on one, particularly. Or, or at worst comes to worst, I'd like to see elimination triple threats. So yeah, yeah. to be like to be the man, you you can't just pin someone else and become champion without beating the champion. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, that's exactly it. Is it's like yeah. I I totally agree. Like other stuff, yeah, sure, whatevs. But for the for your big title, it yep. should realistically be one on one, basically clean. You know, like yep. no, not too much dicky dickery yeah. around the ring. You know that kind of stuff. Obviously you can have a bit of that, but you've got to do it yeah, well. Yeah, like, yeah, and it, it's yeah, it's, it's the heels. It's the yeah. heels doing it, obviously. Like you know, yeah. that's cool. That's whatever. But yeah, no, it's it's. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's and you, the elimination is the only real way you can go because as I a hundred percent hate that idea that you can lose the title by getting someone else pinned. Mm. Like that's so annoying. Like you wouldn't yeah. have that in real sports. Like New Zealand didn't get to win the last Cricket World Cup final just because of something <laughs> Australia did against South Africa. You know what I mean? Like, they have not we got, we won a Cricket World Cup final. <laughs> yeah. No, we just got screwed by something else. Um, yeah, yeah. But bad rules. Uh, yeah, anyway. the, you um, know, yeah, so. I'm the only, I'm probably the only person that listens to this podcast that knows that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's, you, that was, you picked the wrong. I'm, you picked the wrong podcast. Yeah. To say that, oh, yeah, but, I, I pick, but I knew I picked, but I knew I picked the right host. So that's, you know, you know, it's been three years, and I'm still mourning. Yeah. As I said, that's the last question I had for you. Um, is there anything further you'd like to say about this match, or, or just wrestling in general, um, before you give your plugs and we get out of here? About this match, no, I think we've covered yeah. pretty much everything about wrestling in general. We're nothing if not um, exhaustive here at the AW. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, wrestling in general, man, just the the quality at the minute is mm. just astonishing, and it's it's just it's so much fun. I just yeah. really, I just watched that um, the Supercard of Honor, and yeah, I mean that it's it's hard to see matches that live up to the hype, but that mm. Briscoe's FTR one. Yeah, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's just it's just such a good time. So you know, keep it. Um, I, I, tribalism's fun, but don't like don't make a personality <laughs> of it. Like you know, like yeah, it's a good just, point. Yeah, yeah, you can hate something, but like yeah, other people are allowed to like it. Like don't yeah. be a dick. Like yeah, yeah. yeah so no, don't be it. don't be a dick. Is that's don't the rule dick, for the internet, yeah. right? Like that's oh, the, yeah. the Will Whedon rule for the internet. <laughs> Yeah. And if, if you want to follow me, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, I did have a podcast going for a while. We were talking about this off air, um, which I need to start again. But, you know, a lot of other things got in the way, which I think is the story of 90% of podcasters. <laughs> but I do have a um, Twitter page called All Elite Aotearoa. So it's just A-E, oh, at A-E Aotearoa. So that's really yeah, helpful if you're from New Zealand and don't know. Yeah, yeah, and you don't know how to spell it. That's that's all good. But, um, yeah, anyway, so that's that's my that's my plugs. Yeah, beautiful. Look, I've I've really appreciated having you on here. Um, I love following you on on Twitter. It's a, a a fun mix of this sort of talk, genuine passion and fandom. There is a bit of fun fun thrown in there, I'll yeah. add. But um, yeah, uh, definitely definitely get amongst it. And uh, Bevan also has another great podcast that I'd like to to just highlight. It's not a wrestling podcast, but it's one that's very close to my mind, close to my heart. Sorry, 
it's about being a parent. He's a, a relatively new parent. I think your, your kid's about one. And he's, he's gone through the ringer on it. And he's got a lot of, of really, like, heart-wrenching but, but really heartwarming stories to tell and, and things to say. Uh, certainly as, as a parent myself of a three-year-old who's, who's gone through, you know, things like chronic illness and that sort of stuff, it, it was really cool to listen to a podcast that goes into that sort of stuff. And that's called Offspring. It is, yeah. Yes. Not the, yeah, I've had a few inquiries be like, so it's not about the band? No, not so, the yeah. Offspring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, just Offspring. Like, yeah. the, like the Australian TV show. There was an Aussie TV show, wasn't yes, there? Yes, there was. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd highly recommend that podcast, particularly if you're a parent, if you've got kids. Uh, I, I think that's something that's worth having a listen to as well. So definitely, definitely so. go out of your way to, to, to have a listen to that. Hopefully you get the Match Guide bump because I just gave you a plug. But yeah, look, and, and as Bevan said, wrestling's great at the moment. Focus on the great stuff. That's what I love doing here on the, the AW Match Guide podcast. I love looking at the things that I love. Uh, and I'm passionate about. So I'd encourage everyone to do that too. And if you want to to get in on that, if you want to tell us what you think of this match, tell us what you think, thought of Kenny Omega's reign, what you think of the idea of this being Orange Cassidy's um, sort of the pinnacle or the an end point for his career um, or the final chapter of his career. Um, well, not the final chapter of his career, but his progression in AEW. Let us know on Twitter. Um, you can find me, Sir underscore Samuel, and the link for that will also be in the description. But aside from that, Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed what you've listened to today, you can rate and subscribe us on your podcast app of choice. And you can also support us financially on Red Circle. If you go to redcircle.com uh, forward slash AW Match Guide or forward slash Social Suplex, there will be a link in the podcast description. You can actually also support us financially. And that just goes towards paying for things like hosting, um, equipment, that sort of stuff. Uh, it's not like we're making a million bucks out here. So anything like that is appreciated. But thank you for listening. Your support is really appreciated. And thank you also, Bevan, for popping on today. I've had an absolute blast chatting to you about this thank, match. Thank, yeah, um, thank you for having me. This has been yeah. a lot of fun and really appreciate your kind words about um, Offspring. Really appreciate yeah. it, mate. And I really, yeah, I love your, uh, I like your attitude, um, both online and in the podcast. It's it's nice to, there's a lot of toxicity in wrestling. And it's nice <laughs> to just have a, 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 you know, a place in the podcast and things like that where, yeah, you celebrate the good. It's awesome. Cheers. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that as well. Um, but if you have enjoyed it, you can always catch us again next week. We'll be looking at another one of AEW's greatest matches in exhaustive and, and fantastic detail. And I cannot wait to see you again. Bye. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.